Today's program has been brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Cane5.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Carmen DeVito. Alice is on her way, stuck in some gnarly, snarly, gnarly New York City traffic. Uh, we design, build, and maintain gardens all around New York. And this show aims to bring the culture to horticulture. We have a great guest today who's been preempted twice, but not our fault. It was all Sandy's fault. Sandy, Superstorm Sandy. We have Billy Goodnick who was actually born right here in Brooklyn. He's joining us from Santa Barbara, California. Uh, just as a little bit of background, um, Billy and I first connected via Facebook on his Crimes Against Horticulture page, where he posted some of the most hilarious photos of plants and landscapes kind of tortured into submission. Now, for those of you who don't know Billy, um, at the insistence of his parents, Brooklyn-born Billy was transplanted to L.A. at age eight, and you shouldn't do that to any eight-year-old, but he did it, survived, studied music, became an in-demand Hollywood studio drummer, and as Billy describes in his bio, as fate would have it, I stumbled upon the exquisite art of bonsai, and he said it turned his life on a dime. He dropped his drumsticks and joined a journey into the world of plants. That didn't end there. Of course, for 22 years, he was also the city landscape architect for scenic Santa Barbara. His horticultural career also included nursery sales as well as garden maintenance and landscape construction. Here's Alice. Yay! Um, he continues to provide customized residential design coaching along the Central Coast and was winner of the 2005 Santa Barbara Beautiful Awards for both residential and park projects and awards from both the California State Architects Office and the American Society of Landscape Architects. This diverse career path has contributed to the deep body of knowledge that he now shares with gardeners across the country. Fine Gardening Magazine features his column, Design Workshop, and his blog, Cool Green Gardens. He also writes bi-weekly Southern California-centric posts for edhat.com and contributes to 805 Living Magazine while freelancing for other publications such as Sunset Magazine. But that's not what brought Billy here today. Billy is also the author of a new book titled Yards, Turning Any Outdoor Space into the Garden of Your Dreams, which is coming out this March. And you should buy it. And he's hitting the road and he's starting here. Hello, Billy. Hey, how you doing? Good. That was quite an intro, God, right? I, I, I sound fascinating. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what I have to say. Anyway, Alice is back. Hi, Billy. <laughs> Alice, Hi, Alice back there. Alice has survived the BQE. So, so you guys run a tight budget. Only one microphone. You have to keep, like, scooching your rolling chairs. <laughs> no, I was stuck on the BQE, and anyone from the East Coast knows how annoying that is. <laughs> so I just want to say... Um, 
thank you, Billy. We, we preempted him twice, and he's still willing to talk to us. All right. Yeah, we um, had a little Hurricane Sandy situation. disaster last time. We were but we had some fun, and it gave us more time to ask our fans, both of our fans, to post comments on the photo for the caption contest. So at the end of the show, we're going to announce the winner of the snarkiest comment. The winner will win a roll of the Billy's infamous Crimes Against Horticulture tape, which leads me to the question, how do you define a crime against horticulture? <laughs> Well, it, uh, you know, like, uh, like a lot of things, you know it when you see it. At least I do. I think everybody has their own tolerance for, uh, for wh- what uh, qualifies as a crime. And, you know, what we're talking about is plants pruned into meatballs, hockey pucks, Q-tips, just sort of these <laughs> random forms that, that uh, develop out of somebody's disturbed psyche. Uh, you know, you know, part of the problem for me is I cut my teeth. As you mentioned in there, I was a musician. That's all I, I really knew. And through some very odd series of events, I got interested in bonsai. And there's probably nothing more um, simple or exquisite or um, you know praising of nature than bonsai. So it's like my aesthetic was grounded in that sort. Of, it doesn't have to look like a Japanese garden, but there's just something so sincere and honest about ja- uh, a lot of Japanese gardens. That's so maybe very, I have a higher standard, yeah. but when I see all these uh, you know, random forms, I figure you may as well make them out of styrofoam, <laughs> keep all that stuff out of the landfill and not have to water, prune it, or spray it for anything. Cause, it's true. It's an interesting thing because yeah. I think when I think of bonsai, I think of a little bit of torture, too. I mean, they're, sure, you know, yeah. they're pruned, but of course, in an exquisite way, not in a... Yes. Not in oh, a, I, in I a, don't think the plants have feelings. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried about uh, cutting right. them and twisting them and all that sort of thing. I just think the final product, uh, I'm, you know, for some people, topiary is wonderful, and I can enjoy a topiary garden because it's done that way intentionally, right. and it's done with these objects that happen to be plants being used as sculptural elements, and if you've got an artistic eye, you can pull off topiary just great. I'm, I'm, just, uh, I'm assuming that most of the gardeners who I see perpetrating this stuff, at least around my way. And like you said, Crimes Against Horticulture is at Facebook, so I have people posting (laughs) from all over the country now and some from overseas of the same sort of thing. So I don't know if it's a a latent gene. Maybe they'll find it someday when they go through the whole genome. They'll find the distorted plant gene. Um, I think it's called the shortcut gene. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I think it's, you know, I've got, wait, I've got a a head shear and some time on my hands. I'm going to do something with this. And And, and my other, my other reasoning, I think, well, uh, uh, part of what does it is I come from a, from a New York Jewish family. So we all have opinions. So in the words of my mother, you have your opinion, I'll have the right one. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to stick to my guns in terms of crimes against horticulture. I get, I get called to task by a lot of people. They say, how dare you say that's ugly? I think it's beautiful, and that's fine. Well, so but it, we, we can all get along. Yeah. Right, right. But the, the thing that's really sad, in, in, uh, when I look you know, humor, hum, humorously at crimes against horticulture, what, and, and it's, a, it's, it's, an awesome, it's an awesome blog, like I love it, but... It, it, what's sad is that a lot of people don't even know that it's a crime against horticulture. Like yeah. they, they just don't understand that when to prune and how to prune. And well, you yeah. know, so they, you just end up getting this like really, really dumbed down effect, you know, of out of context too. Let's yeah, talk about that. Of something so exactly. beautiful. Well, besides and your, pr- the, I mean, you, you've hit on the other half of it, uh, which, <laughs> um, it, 
you know, the one, one thing is aesthetics. We can argue about aesthetics, but some, pe- some things that people do to plants in the name of horticulture is bad for the plants, and the outfall is also bad for the environment. Because mm-hmm. most of these things are being made by mm-hmm. power tools that use fossil fuels and spit out all kinds of you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. generating green waste. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're an enlightened, if you're in an enlightened community and there's green waste pickup, that's great. You know, you can, you don't have to go to hell for that one. Right, <laughs> right. The, uh, the wastes are going to a higher place, but then it all ties together because usually the people who are into the crimes against, well, <laughs> let me take a step back. I divide the world of people who work on gardens. I'm talking professionally as gardeners and plant janitors. Yes, yes, that's true. We have plenty of them here. Absolutely. Gardeners know one plant from the other, and they know when to prune it, etc. Right. And they seem to be in the minority. The rest of them are janitors, and not to take anything away from janitors, but a janitor's responsibility Mm -hmm. is to keep things neat and safe. And orderly, exactly. We call them a garden. for some people, that's all they want from a garden, and they're welcome to it. But for the rest of us, I think gardens uh, are our way of connecting with nature uh, living in in the civilization that we live in, right? Well, you were so saying that you were, look like plants. yeah, it's true. And like you said, there's, it's not, it's you know, some of it is just opinion. But what I find interesting, while we're on the subject of what makes you uniquely qualified to judge this, <laughs> is, wow, <laughs> is um, okay. So Alice and I hire a lot of different people to garden with us in our business and Mm -hmm. we find that creative people dancers uh painters musicians a lot of people from the artistic disciplines um make great gardeners so besides your professional credentials as a as a landscape architect how do you think that your music career or your musical ability has influenced your approach to to garden design um you know i if if i were better smarter and had more time i keep (laughs) promising myself I'm going to write a, a very serious, um, you know, written piece for blog, magazine, whatever, about my connection with music and, uh, uh, and gardens, because there, there's got to be sharing going on in the brain, but the best I can think about it, um, music is about exploration, it's about variations on themes, mm-hmm. you know, finding an idea and then playing with it and exploring it, mm-hmm. and that's exactly um, what I find myself, and you probably find yourself doing uh, with garden design. You get a certain idea, and you figure out, how am I going to pull this off, keep it alive, you know, wrap into it all of the cultural requirements as well as the aesthetic requirements. And, and it's the same sort of thing as, you know, uh, it's, it's very timely. You know, Dave Brubeck, I was listening to some cuts, of course, with all the yeah. memorials and things going on, and I was listening to him play a little two-bar riff, and then Joe Morello on his three-tune tom-toms on his drum set was like repeating this little quote that he took from some Broadway tune. So mm-hmm. it's that, you know, take an idea and play with it. So i got to believe the same things, you know, going on in my head. Um, you get a, a client's needs. They show you some pictures mm-hmm. of what they like. Um, you try to make sure it's still a good space for a living, and you work with what you get. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so how did you come up with Crimes Against Horticulture? Like... Was it just by walking through suburban neighborhoods where these crimes Oh, it's a combination to- <laughs> of things. Um, it, well, to summarize it, it's a few things at once. First of all, uh, my brain was sick and twisted right from the start. And when I was a teenager, I was going through the L.A. Times one day through the, the uh, bridal announcements. Uh-huh. And this, this is going to show how shallow I am because I, 
Although the excuse is I was about 12 or 13 years old. So, yeah, <laughs> That's okay. We know about it. shallow there, at 13. <laughs> there were an inordinate number of ugly bride pictures on the page. Uh-huh. You know, not everybody yeah. has to be gorgeous and look like, you know, fill in the blank there, somebody from uh, yeah. TMC or whatever that is. But it, it just struck me like, oh, my gosh, you know. This, this, <laughs> this is a group of ugly people. <laughs> so, so I cut them out and I put them on my bulletin board in my bedroom. And then I became obsessed. Every Saturday I'd go to the paper and try to find, and I had this expanding collection. Little did I know um, I was delving into something deeply philosophical because friends would come by and look at it and say, what's she doing in here? You know, yeah. that beauty is in the eyes of the beholder thing. Anyway, I think that might have planted a seed or distorted a, uh, you know, one of my part of my genome or something. But where it really came from is um, I've been teaching an adult education class, continuing education class for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I would go out taking pictures of nice gardens and then the things I thought were like, you know, really bad examples uh-huh. and use that <laughs> as part of my lecture. Uh-huh. And I had so much fun commenting with them that years later with the advent of things like Facebook, I had an opportunity to post them and get a dig in. Right, But the real birth of it is, uh, I write a column here in Santa Barbara, uh, anybody can read it, but it's a little Santa Barbara-centric, at a site called Ed Hat. And every year, a local organization uh, called Santa Barbara Beautiful gives out their design awards mm-hmm. for architecture, gardens, etc. Mm-hmm. So every September, uh, right after the Santa Barbara Beautiful Awards, and I, I was on their board, so, so they love me there, um, I would post at Ed Hat the Santa Barbara Not So Beautiful Awards. Yeah. <laughs> and use it to post the photos, have some fun with them, but also include lessons. This is why this is incorrect and this is what you could do, etc. So, you know, I always like a little takeaway. So, Santa Barbara Not So Beautiful Awards eventually turned into Crimes Against Horticulture, so I get to play with those at. Uh, Twitter and Facebook and all that sort of thing. Well, let's talk a little and, bit about and, those. And as I mentioned, there's, there's no shortage. No. But I, seem to, <laughs> I seem to be the vortex. Oh, it's, it's, it's hilarious. And oh. that's what's so great is that you've, you've brought it into the public eye. Like everybody kind of has these, you know, thoughts as you walk through your neighborhood and like, oh, God, look at that and look at that. And, you know, and it's funny to, well, it's not funny, but it's, it's serious actually to... <laughs> to highlight it and to make that a part of, of exploration and, and, yeah. and know. hopefully not include the address like I sometimes yeah. do. Yeah, but locally people can kind of guess sometimes, oh, yeah. especially when it's a shopping mall. Yeah. Oh, but, God. I, you know, one other aspect we're, we're missing here with the crimes, especially when they're done by commercial, you know, gardening companies. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's actually getting a paycheck for doing that. I know. That's what I think fumes me the most. Because it's a series of breakdowns. It's, it's not only that the gardener or the plant janitor does this and thinks it's okay. It's that the owner, the property owner, the manager thinks it's okay, too, because right. they're paying them for it. Right. It's where uh, the meatball becomes a snowball. <laughs> well, yeah. We, oh, oh. when the meatball nice. snowball. <laughs> well, we it have sounds to- like a Leonard Skinner <laughs> tune or something. <laughs> Well, we have to we have to take a break in a minute. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. When we come back, Billy, I want you to I want you to come back with us and kind of talk about the design principles that kind of are the basis of what you teach. Stay but tuned. You actually want me to to do something useful? Yes, I do. So stay tuned. Okay, I'll consider it. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're listening to Never in Love by the four Lincolns on the Heritage Radio Network.org. I believe this. 
This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. In our industrial world, most wines have become brands, but the wines I love are so much more. Fine wine is a civilizing substance that connects us to nature. It cannot be stamped out in a factory. If you're listening to this great show, you probably eat different. I urge you to drink different too. Go deeper. Cane5.com Hi, welcome back to We Did Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We're here with Billy Goodnick, landscape architect and all-around gardening renaissance man. Hey, Billy. Hey. Hey. So let's get serious for a second here. Okay. We want to talk about your mantra of beautiful, useful, sustainable gardens. That's what you preach. So can you tell us a little bit about the principles that you share with people um, that you kind of have it boiled down so that they can design like a pro, as you say? Tell us what, what are those principles? Well, uh, you hit on them. It's B-U-S. It's like get on the bus. Uh, B for beautiful, U for useful, and S for sustainable. Um, you know, beautiful has to do, to me, has to do with all the sensory levels. So it's not just a garden that looks attractive. It smells good. It feels good. You know, use, use all of the senses. In fact, um, we'll probably talk about the book later, but I have this illustration in the book of somebody's head um, with something pointing to the eyes, ears, nose, and mouth, and it says, taste your garden you know, look at your garden, hear your garden. So, you know, beauty on all the, all the aesthetic levels. Um, I've never That's had right. a, a client call me and say, Billy, my garden's too beautiful. Could you come over <laughs> here and help me tone it down? So, you, you know, Californians. Again, holder. <laughs> yes. But, but for most people, um, beauty in the garden is give me more flowers. Oh, God, and, I know. And for me, the, the last thing I do is think about floral color scheme. I, I've seen some of your gardens from, uh, from your website and online, and you seem to have you know, a similar aesthetic. Uh, I think the more sophisticated gardens are based on good bone structure and the use of space and mass. And then if and when it flowers, that's the icing on the cake. So I try to back people away from the uh, ooh, shiny side Shiny. Of the I know. We have that problem, too. The fundamentals. Yeah. They don't want to hear that, though, sometimes, Billy. Yeah, and the main tool that I use for it in, in uh, well, it'll be in my book, it's in the magazine articles I do, I like to teach people how to reverse engineer the gardens that they love. So you could be thumbing through, may as well get a plug-in for mine, for, uh, for Fine Gardening Magazine, turn to a page, and, you know, you get that response, like when you scratch your dog under the ribs and the leg starts <laughs> moving involuntarily. Uh-huh. You know, you look at some pictures and it's just like, oh, God, I have to have one of those. Yeah, I want people to not only say, I like that, I want them to say, I like that because, and be able to explain it. So I teach about harmony and contrast and color schemes and form and mass and, you know, using foliage. So there, there's, there's all that depth uh, to the, the beauty of a garden. So that's step one is beauty. Do we agree? Yes, yeah. beauty. Yeah. You know, you want to fire on all the senses. Uh, the U is for useful. Um, the first question I ask a, a client when I visit them is, what do you want to be able to do when you go outside? Right. Because you've got all this property and you want your garden to be a stage for living. Uh-huh. So gardens have to be useful. Um, so it, you know, it takes you back to site analysis and a good client interview and uh, being able to think about how you get the most out of your yard and uh, you know, um, capitalize on it. 
Mm-hmm. Especially, especially in smaller gardens, Alice and I usually work in a footprint that's under a thousand square feet. You know, how do you do it? You know, and we have, you know, there's a lot of editing, and it's it's yeah. actually a lot of um, kind of psychology that happens with with the client. You know, to to explain to them that they can't. You know, a, a lot of people really. We had one client that all she wanted was like experiences, experiences for her child. So, uh-huh. so it was like, okay, you know, sensory experiences. And, and this was, you know, 17 by 35 feet, you yeah. know? Yeah. So uh, that's, you know, we're not well, in the you, Adirondacks, you know? Like, you, how do you do right. that? Do you, you Mirandize your clients? <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> no, that's what I call it. I, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll listen to everything somebody has to say, and I said, that's, that's fine. Uh, part of, yeah. part of what, what I think makes me uh, a useful designer is I'm a Libra, uh-huh. and I don't generally go for all the, the uh, I was going to say zoological, I meant Zodiac. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Obviously. You know, uh, um, but there, there is something very Libra or slash Vulcan, like Mr. Spock, about me. So I'll, you know, if somebody says I want the garden to do this, this, and this, I'll say that's fine, but here is what might happen if you do. Right. Because I, I have to not just get it off my chest, but they need to be informed. Right. And that, that to me is the Mirandizing. And then if they say, well, go ahead and do it anyway, it's like, you know, fine. No, we yeah. do have I'll to Mirandize. I'll do the best I can and my conscience is clear. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and it really is a, a matter of education, you know, which yeah. is what we were talking when, about earlier. When you, when you design, do you also give yeah. some maintenance guidelines so people understand oh, how absolutely. the garden is Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, I think you, it's, that's responsible. I think you have to. You and we know. maintain many of the gardens that we've built. Oh, Oh, that, that's fabulous. So we, we try. You know, there is some continuity. Sometimes, well, sometimes people will say, um, you know, I'm going to try my hand at it. And then six to six months to a year later, we get the phone call back. And we're like, they're like, I can't do it. Can't well, at least it. they realize they're about to lose their, their great investment. Their investment, exactly. We kind of put it that way. We say, look, maintenance is maybe 10, 15% of what you spent. You know, really, it's worth it. It's worth it. You know, you know uh, and from what I've heard, uh, uh, turning it the, uh, the other way is in the, if you take the life cost of a garden, what it costs from the day you create it until, you know, until it's no longer a good garden anymore, you have to rehab it. Uh-huh. It's more like 20-80. 20% goes into the capital investment. 80% goes into the maintenance, the water, the fertilizers, the time. Yeah. So it really makes sense to, uh, um, to protect your investment and design a sustainable garden to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the so, final prong is the sustainability. Well, that's, yeah, that's the mm-hmm. S. Wow, I gave myself a segue. <laughs> I should do this more often. So, you know, sustainable isn't this thing that you add on like, oh, instead of stone, I'll use recycled concrete. It, it comes all the way down to the beginning of how you think about the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the simplest, uh, I, I, my definition for sustainability or for st- sustainable landscaping is it's the way we landscape before we had a choice. Mm-hmm. When you only had local materials, local supplies, you know, water was whatever you could get to your property, um, you know, through streams. Well, I mean, not that people were landscaping then, but the whole sustainable approach means keeping it local, keeping it simple, not importing stone from China and all that because of the, the energy that goes into all of that. Right, so, right. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and, and trying to create something that resembles a natural system, something that takes care of itself. And it's probably an easier sell in California, isn't it? What's that? It's probably an easier sell in California, right? Well, 
it, some things are easier because the growing season is yeah. great, but that also brings on a lot of problems because things are growing and getting bigger all the time. But the, the key thing, you know, uh, um, again, sustainability is about matching the local climate. So if you've got natural rainfall of 60 inches a year, um, you can grow some stuff that I can't grow without having to turn on a tap yeah. and lowering a reservoir and uh, paying a big water bill. So if yeah. I use plants that are from adapted or local environments, then I'm ahead of the game. Well, Billy, let's talk. We're just talking about water use. <laughs> let's talk about yards. I think you've got some thoughts on yards, right? I do have it. Um, <laughs> Which is a segue to are, his I, book. Exactly. <laughs> That's the name of a book. Yes. And, um, it's intentional calling it yards. It's a very unromantic term. Uh, the full name is Yards Turn Any Outdoor Space into the Garden of Your Dreams. Uh, the theory being everybody's got a yard. Some people aspire to having a garden, you know, mm-hmm. a place for living and, and a place of beauty. So I take what I've been teaching through adult ed and writing about for uh, uh, 20 plus years and break it down for people using. Oh, you might call it a quirky sense of humor and a lot of beautiful pictures, but what I do is take them through the steps that a landscape architect or a professional designer follows to to end up with a beautiful, useful, sustainable garden. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Most people want yards. They want usable space. Some people say they want a garden, Billy, but they really want is a usable yard that's beautiful, right? Well, exactly. it's, uh, It's a stage for living. And uh, especially, you know, back to California, I don't want to gloat, mm-hmm. um, but when you live, well, actually, it would cut both ways. When you live somewhere where you can be outdoors just about all the time, maybe you take it for granted, but it certainly gives you the opportunity or the obligation to uh, make your, your outdoor spaces, to make your yard just more of your house. Yeah, the outdoor so room. Starting- Starting with spaces, I'm imagining your design process up front. It's all about what do you want to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then mm-hmm. your job is to work with the, uh, the materials and the resources and the budget and all of that and, and get as close as you can to, uh, to what fits for them. You've got to be a psychologist and a sociologist, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the book is so coming the, out in March, right, Billy? Is that the right? The book will be out in March. Uh, I'll be touring all around the place. Um, doing some talks in uh, Virginia and Dallas and Seattle and around the the West Coast area. Mm -hmm. Uh, All that info, if people want to jot it down, if you go to greatgardenspeakers.com, and it's just all mashed together as one word, greatgardenspeakers.com, and you put in Goodnick, you'll get to my page. I'll be in uh, uh, Florida at Bach Tower Gardens, uh, Mid-Atlantic, uh, horticultural short course, Northwest Flower and Garden Show, L.A. Arboretum, stuff like that, on and off, talking about the book. That's great. And uh, spreading the word. Well, you heard it here first, folks, about the or book. second. I or second. Remember, <laughs> I, I may have been mumbling about it in my sleep last night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have, one, we have time for maybe one more question. It's the most, so do I. It's the most important question of all. Yes. And we've saved it for last, and then we're going to announce the winner. How do we stop crimes against horticulture from happening in the first place? How do we do it? Um, education, how education, do we do it? education. I think you, uh, part of it is raising the standards, showing people beautiful gardens and explaining how to create them themselves so they don't seem out of reach, that it's not just something you see in Garden Design Magazine and go, well, 
you know, that's for somebody else. Right. Um, so I think, you know, that's part of what my book is about. It's what I write about. Um, I think the, the, the other thing is just to raise the expectations. I think home, uh, at least out here, there's often a language barrier between the people doing the gardens and the customers. I think we have to figure out a way to get beyond that, even if it's just showing somebody pictures and saying, I want my garden to look more like this than that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, to sort of set those standards and, and educate people about uh, um, that gardens don't have to be neat and tidy. Uh, we want them to feel more like nature. I think we can put away the... Well, if, if you pick the right plants to begin with and you give them enough space, that's the key. Every plant has its genetic destiny. You, know, you can't tell a cedar tree... You can't tell a cedar tree to grow in a window box and behave itself like a pansy. Right, right. You know, so, so being smart, smart enough to either ask, how big does this plant get? What's the ideal place for it? I think 90% of the crimes go away. Because mm-hmm. if you leave a big enough bed for a plant to get six feet across, you don't ever have to pick up the pruners. Right. Well, and I also think, you know, uh, homeowners and developers, those kind of like, uh, you know, the the standard of the foundation planting stuffed underneath the front windows of the house, right? you know, I, I think that's got to stop. And I, I think it's better to have no plants almost than that ridiculous border of, of generic plant material that's well, he, just shoved in there to make a, a sale for a house, you know? Uh, I agree. And the other thing is it, it's, it's uh, it's really silly. I wrote an article a couple weeks, a couple years ago, I think, at Fine Gardening, or maybe it was last year. The idea that we design our front yards as if some anonymous people, people across the street, are judging us all the time. <laughs> it's yes. all about curb appeal. Somebody's going to drive by and think well of me because my garden is layered from the house to the street. Yeah, I never get to see it because I spend more time in the house looking out. So I wrote an article about turning your garden around and having it face your front window. Right, right. And leaving a small f- fraction of it facing out to the street. So, yeah. you, you know, you still don't look like trailer trash. Right. <laughs> or I propose butchering the plants along the streetscape. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and know, refusing to shoot. Room is, is a key. Putting yeah. down the power tools, I think, is a, is a key. Yeah. And, people, and the other thing is it's okay to kill plants. <laughs> yeah. Really, if you or somebody else made a bad decision and stuck a giant thuya in a uh, 12-inch wide bed on either side of the walkway, and now you have to get out a machete to get to the mailbox, rip the damn thing out, right. start up the chainsaw, uh, or, or pray for a blight or something to take yeah. it out, and yeah. start over the right way. Right, so, right. Go murder your yard. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. the offenders. <laughs> so now um, we have to announce the winner of the contest. Um, oh, you know, i, I got to tell you, before the last interview, we pulled the plug. Yes. I remembered to have my snare drum from my drum set and my <laughs> cymbal sitting right next to me, and I forgot to do it today. I was going to do a drum roll and a cymbal crack. Oh, that would have been oh, awesome. Sorry. Okay, we'll have to do a virtual one. Um, Overdub. But I'm yeah, well, you'll get that in post. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a few different... We had um, quite a lot of captions. Well, um, did you describe... Oh, yes. Let, the- let's describe it. It was a lavender, okay. right, Billy? Oh, well, well let, me, let me explain real quickly because yeah. I, I made some notes. Picture a French lavender <laughs> looked at from above being the shape of an egg. It's an oval. And then somebody went to, uh, and is laying on its side. 
Somebody went to the far left end with a, a hedge trimmer and cut straight through the equator. Yeah. To just past the midpoint, and then they angled up about 30 degrees, so it just looks like somebody took a big wedge out of an egg. Right. Except it was... <laughs> Except it was a French lavender, <laughs> and now it looks like a recliner, um, you know, like a Barca lounger aromatherapy. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> some or of the day. Yes, That's exactly it, it. So some of the comments were: um, somebody said, "Ugly chaise lounge that needs to be gotten rid of." Well, there we go. Chaise uh, yikes! A giant slug rearing its head up. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, ski jump for garden gnomes. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. <laughs> that was good. Must reach sun. Gasp. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then somebody wrote, Stacey Meyer Link, this is one of my favorites, Topiary <laughs> Lavender the Whale. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if anybody's ever heard of, you know, the... Um, You've got some very fudgy. silly people uh, following you, you know. <laughs> no. Fudgy the Whale, right. Um, but I think, um, I think we chose the winner. Um, so that would be Liz. Yes. Jocelyn, drumroll, and I love this quote. This is what she wrote. She wrote, please have a seat and tell me about when your obsession with garden shears began. <laughs> so, Liz, and you are what, the winner. What I like about it, first of all, it's very off the wall. Yeah. She, mention, she mentions obsessions, which is spot on because that's what a lot of these crimes are. And it just focus, focuses on the deep psychosis that leads to crimes <laughs> against horticulture. So uh, yeah, that was that was the, the clear winner for me. So uh, we will get um, Liz. I know is a pretty regular listener. Um, we will get her mailing address, and you, Liz, you have won. Send I'll, it to me. I'll send it to so you. For those who don't, for those who don't know what we're talking about with the tape, if you go to um, uh, you go to Facebook and you type in "crimes against horticulture," and I certainly hope you'll join up with us and like us and send us your own atrocities. <laughs> um, I had made up at great personal cost. These 500-foot-long rolls of, like, police barricade tape, the yellow with the black letters, the public works tape, except mine says Crimes Against Horticulture on it. And my wish is that whoever gets one of these mini-rolls, you're not getting all 500 feet, um, (laughs) whoever gets these mini-rolls will um, use it to shame their neighbors. Yes. But I'm not telling them to trespass. Right. Right, no, we want that disclaimer in there, but yes. uh, I think more of people just like to like to keep it around. In fact, there was a nursery in Texas a couple years ago who asked me for a few rolls because they were having an ugly garden contest. <laughs> yeah, for which they'd give away some supplies and equipment and stuff like that. And Great. the winner also got a roll of uh, Crimes Against Horticulture tape. Great. So, congratulations, Liz. Uh, well, I guess we've run out of time, Billy. We're going to have to have you back. I would love to. Because we haven't covered all the ground we want to. Um, well, I'll tell you what. You connect me with uh, Brooklyn Botanic Garden or Wave Hill, and I'll come into the studio and do an interview. With your drum kit? No. With uh, a snare drum? Well, you can rent one for me. <laughs> I doubt I'm going to schlep it from... Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, but maybe we can work something out. <laughs> you got it. So let me ask everybody to come visit me at uh, billygoodnick.com. There's more about the book there. And also, um, if you're having some sort of uh, garden talker function, greatgardenspeakers.com. You'll find me there, too. Great. Well, thank you Thanks, for being Billy. on the show. Our show today was produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Joe G. An archive of the show is available at heritageradionetwork.com. We Dig Plants is our uh, Facebook fan page. Groundworks, Inc., We Dig Plants. Thank you for listening. See you in the garden.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.